Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Episode 95 of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. 95 episodes, eh? Doesn't seem like that. Good to be with you all. My guest today, Timmy Warnsby. Timmy is a writer, a reporter, a journalist, uh, an author. He's a jack of all trades. I met Tim. Years and years and years ago, uh, I, I think it might have been, it was around the time I was getting drafted. I don't know if it was at the draft. It was uh, in the late 90s. I think that's when it was. But I, I we, we spoke about that. I don't really remember that that much. But about 10 years ago, they had Kraft Hockeyville here. And uh, Ron McLean, I remember Don Cherry came over. There was... Uh, CBS Conception Bay South, which I live in Mount Pearl, um, you know, probably a 15, 10 minute, 10, 15 minute drive. Um, they needed a new rink and they won Kraft Hockeyville. So we had a, a pro game over here. I remember that. And uh, like a celebrity kind of game that myself and Harold Druken and, and oh God, uh, 
there were a bunch. Darren Langdon was in that game, and Darren Colburn, a few guys, a bunch of pro guys locally. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I remember that. And afterwards, I hadn't met Tim, and I'd read him here and there, so I was aware of him. I was always aware of the media around the game. It fascinated me. Anyway, we had a few drinks. We had a few beers and came in here to, to Senior's Basement. where I record this from. <laughs> Excuse me. And, uh, yeah, we came in and we, we, we had a few beers. And, you know, it's like a museum down here. I guess if you're – Timmy is a journalist, reporter, but, you know, a bit of a historian when, you, when you're into sports, I, I, I guess, and especially if you collect things and – you know, I would consider Ken Reed, those types of a, a, a historian in a way. So our basement is uh, ground zero in Newfoundland sports and music for a lot of uh, media members and non-media members that I've met over the years. But anyway, Tim was fascinated down here. So he ended up, he had, I think, I can't remember, he had to report on the actual week that was the craft hockeyville week because it was you know we went i mean i remember like uh, whale watching and uh it was just it, it was that kind of thing it was in the spring and in the spring of newfoundland's beautiful because the icebergs are floating by st john's and uh yeah it's a lot of sea life seals whales tend to follow suit and with that a lot of a lot of fish and there's good cod fishing and well just about all fishing but it's a great time to come over here so i remember that we and, and so tim was in here and i remember him saying you know what i'll just i, I gotta do another article i'll just do it on your dad's basement so we we all drank well into the well into the night watching hockey fight videos uh music videos and telling stories. So it was a highlight for me. And then I remember the next day, I think we all went with, that's when we all went out on the boat. I remember Langer being there and it was, it was a good time. <clears throat> it was a good time. So Tim, I'd already always wanted to get on here. And for one reason or another, we, we pushed it off and uh, he just had a book come out and I'm really excited. It's called gold. Now, wait, it's gold. How Gretzky's men. Give me one second now. I just keep forgetting the actual name of the book. Bear with me. There it is. How Gretzky's men ended. Canada's 50-year Olympic drought. Gold. Great. Um, feedback so far. Read online. People seem to love it. I'm really looking forward to it. Timmy's a reporter more than anything. If he's got another book, I don't know of it. And I didn't need to do much research to know about his background, but I did anyway. I couldn't find any other books written, but I mean, I'm sure it might have happened. Um, but uh, an interesting cat and you know if you cover sports that long I, I think you would have a bit of a head start when it comes to a book like that now I'm not underestimating the amount of research he must have done but it must be a little bit what's the word rewarding it must be rewarding to 
be able to research something you love. I mean, it's like in school, you know, if you're in university and at least when I was in there, why did I do folklore? I, I, you know, some of the folklore, I mean, I laugh, but, but some of the courses I did were like studying music lyrics, um, superstitions and sports, things like that. If I had to do a paper often, I'd do it on something that I'd already been to or experienced. And those papers were way more fun. Uh, well, more fun might be a bad way to put it or less difficult, maybe. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to pick his brain about this because Tim was living and report, you know, for the last 25, 30 years, he's been reporting on anything major that's happened one way or another because he's freelance too. He's not, he's always hasn't been just working for one spot. I mean, you'll see him crop up in Canadian press, but you know, he, he worked at the Globe and Mail for a while and Oh God, hockey night can I remember he is, I remember seeing him on the hot stove there a few years ago. Um, just a basically a member of a, a, a wily vet of media in general, you know. But um, not only covers basketball and baseball. I'm looking forward to getting into it because I've said before. I, growing up, I looked up to anybody, you know, members of the media, more writers than anything, reporters, beat writers. I looked up to those guys as much as I did the NHL players. And people laugh when I say it, but I'm serious. If you look, people, hockey's an, an interesting sport. I don't think you could get into it at like a 12 or 13 and still be good and make it. So when I say that when I was, it, it took me till I was 10 turning 11 to be, you know, I started to really stand out at hockey at that point. But a lot of things led to that. My dad coaching junior, having extra ice time, that was, that was a big part of it and everything. But, you know, until that point, I didn't really see the NHL as, you know, it's not like I was five and six dying to play in the NHL. I, I followed it with my dad and my grandfather, and I remember it being important. It was more to socialize. Like, I really look forward to Saturday night because everybody would be together, right? But hockey often you know, took my dad kind of away, you know, whether he was playing pro or senior. So sometimes I'd be like, oh, not hockey again. Right. But I always loved writing. So, and I'd read like Stan Fischler and Red Fisher. I loved him who ended up really disappointing me when I met him in Montreal. Red didn't speak to the rookies, so he wouldn't acknowledge my existence. And I looked up to him like Rocket Richard went over to shake, shake his hand. And he just, he acted, he just acted like I was thin air. Like he didn't even look at me, looked around me. <clears throat> through me anyway whatever he's a great writer rest in peace red and uh but it was like that stan fischler i remember you know he's old school i mean stan might be passed away now if not he's 90 or 100 but i just watched you know and they would have you, there was no internet so you would wait for these hockey books you know and hockey digests and you know the, the, the beginning of the year, each magazine would come out with the predictions. So I, I read it all, but I was as fascinated by the people that were doing the writing. Um, and again, in school, I was more of a creative writer than anything that like, if you were in grade, you know, when I was in grade five and six, I don't think anybody in class even knew I played hockey. Um, one day a week, there used to be this thing called the enrichment program. So at the beginning of the year, you would take these standardized tests and the top, you know, I don't know, 
one or two percent, maybe five percent. I, I don't know. There was one or two out of each class each year, and we would get to we, we had the option one day a week we could go to this thing called the enrichment program. So, and and most of it when I remember going in, because what you would do is is you 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 got to go in once a week and do these courses that you might not have had access to as a regular grade five or so. It was grade four till nine. It was every all of those years. So. You know, I remember doing like astronomy in grade seven. Um, you know, we 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 did still did English, but it would be like Shakespeare's plays in grade uh, six. Uh, medieval history. I remember writing uh, and doing folklore even like in grade four. So, and that that attracted me. Now, I I remember also being a bit of an outsider in, in in the enrichment program as well because most people were in there. It was weird. Uh, I, I I used the term nerd uh it's an endearing term whatever you know i was a nerd at times but it was weird because in school you know i'm an only child i was a year ahead when i say I skipped a grade it was only kindergarten and it, but so i always felt like a bit of an outsider and it was weird because one day a week we would go to this enrichment program me and a few of the boys from mount pearl mark Greeley was in it blair Connolly. But not many sports guys. We were outnumbered. So I remember being a nerd. It was like opposite opposite world because I I didn't fit in with the nerds. <laughs> but anyway, that's what we did once a week. And I really followed creative writing and journalists, reporters locally. It was oh God, Dewey Fitzgerald. What was that his name? Uh, Robin Short. Um, Brendan McCarthy. You know, I I just knew all the reporters. So. Tim having as much experience as he does. And with that comes stories as well. If you sit down with anybody that's covered sports, they're going to have major stories. And I'm, I love that. I, I wish a lot of my stories are, are self-centered kind of thing, right? I mean, they kind of have to be, you're, you're hearing about my life, but people that cover events and things, you know, for just to do the research for this book, I bet we're going to hear some great, you know, stories about, you know, I don't want to give anything away. And I don't know what he wants to give away about the book, but everybody involved. I mean, there were 14 Hall of Famers off the team that he's covering in this book, and it's quite lengthy. So, you know, just to do the research, you learn so much about the game that you love and the people that you looked up to. So, and, 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 and that, so I always looked up to that. And then, there's also the the deadlines, right? I've I've never really written for a deadline. I mean, I guess once I decided, oh, I'm, I'd like to have a book. Well, sure, Terry, uh, if you can have us something in five months, you know, that's not really a deadline. Um, it is, but it's not. So, but when you're like beat reporting or following a team or, you know, freelance, I often have to write an article or two or three in a day, but and more. And, and there's these deadlines. So, you know, being a reporter isn't really doing what I do. It's not like I write fiction, but you don't have, you know, create, there's not much creative writing in covering the game last night between the Raptors and the Cavaliers, you know, and things can change. You, you might be writing on a hockey game and it's five to nothing with 10 minutes left. Right. And you're like, oh, this is yonder. I can pretty much get the article done. Then all of a sudden it's five to three, same team wins, but you, it's not the same spin. So you kind of got to go back and rewrite the whole thing. 
And the odd time, yeah, it's three to nothing and three goals go in and it's a completely different game. So you got to keep changing it. And, you know, it's, that's kind of why I like Red Fisher. I found he would make those articles on the Habs colorful. I find it really hard for just a beat reporter to be colorful. Uh, and, and those are the ones that stand out to me. A lot of people, you'll see the rookies just report the game. It was a wild one last night in Clarenville as the St. John's Caps scored three goals in the third period, all from Kyle McGraw. The next game is 7 o'clock at the CEC on Saturday night. You know, the facts, all good. But then some people might say, uh, I don't know, uh, Kyle McGraw uh, turned over the puck for his third goal of the evening on a dandy move inside, outside. And then he buried its shelf on Whiffen who was beat like a rented mule or, or whatever it might be. That's off the top of my head, but you know what I mean? Those, the colorful aspect is what I liked. And to be able to work that into a deadline, I find is very unique for, for a reporter to be able to do that and get my attention, put it that way. I also came across Tim, um, every year at the Exclaim Cup in Toronto, it's a for it, it's called the Toronto Summit of Arts. It's for the basically a hockey tournament for the arts community. It, I got in on the ground level with Republic of Doyle. It kind of had something to do with me starting in the film world. But anyway, a couple of years we used Tim there. So Tim, uh, you know, he's a decent hockey player. I don't think he was ever under the illusion he was going to make the Olympic team or anything, but. Uh, but it's fun. We, we get together and we play these tournaments. And the, the point of them is more about fun than winning. And he played a little bit with us. And, and uh, it's every spring. I just love that time of year. So in the few instances I've hung out with Tim, they've been very positive vibes. So I'm really looking forward to having him on. Uh, listen, as far as sponsors, I get all kinds of messages about this. First of all, Listen, if, if you want me to say something, you're going to have to give something. I, I just get too many requests and I'm sorry and I want to get out there and I want to help. But, you know, I, I find a lot when, when you have something like this, you're like a middleman. Like a lot of people either, you know, a lot of a lot of the messages I get are, you know, um, ATR, I love the show. Can you plug my so-and-so ATR? Uh, what do you think of the trade deadline deals? Listen, I have a, I'm a mechanic. I just opening a shop. You mind mentioning it on air? Look, I can't do that for everybody. I can't. And I'd be an idiot to do it. Right. A, I mean, you know, it, I, I work sporadically. Sure as he was great, but that was three months ago. Right now I'm going to have to start working again on a film crew this summer. And I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait. The podcast definitely keeps me busy and we got some great sponsors for that, but for more than selfish reasons, I just can't be blurting out 10 people and organizations and companies, each podcast, you know, out of the goodness of my heart. And, and, and I, I wish I could, which is I, and equally, I can't get, you know, every week still, you know, multiple messages. Hey, I'm going to be in LA and, you know, I'm, 
I met Jason Momoa down to green sleeves. You guys were down there one night. Can I have his number? Literally, literally I get lots of those. Um, so two things. First of all, if you do want an actual sponsor, just contact me. I mean, if it's local, it's different, right? I mean, locally, yeah, um, we can talk, right? I mean, green sleeves, TJs, Penny Posh. I mean, of course, we have some local sponsors, but that's kind of between me and them. And, you know, if you're a mom and pop store in Las Vegas, say, uh, and, you know, in case I ever go back, we met, I met some nice people there and they asked me, that's different. If I come down to do a Chicklets Cup game or something, you want me to wear your jersey and, you know, have me in for a meal and we'll have a chat and, and, and you know, promote your restaurant or whatever it might be. Of course, I'm into that. Just saying, I get flooded with messages. If you want to sponsor, well, then talk, let's talk coin. Right, either contact me or talk or contact the Hockey Podcast Network um, and, and we can talk. Um, now, that being said, for those people that, you know, I've, I'll be on the road a lot this year uh, and, and a lot of people will visit Newfoundland that listen to this. Of course, if you see me out, if you see some event that I'm at, come say hi, come get a pick, come, I'll, bring some pictures and sign them for you, whatever. But, you know, I can't just be on here promoting Bob's muffler shop unless Bob gives me a muffler. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not to be a dick here, guys, but that's the way it works. Um, and Mondays. Um, if you want an answer to a lot of the questions that I'm getting, try to tune in on Mondays at 5 Eastern. With my father and I, we're on here. You can ask us anything you want. But I kind of try to make that time available for that reason because what, what I'm getting now, I started that, and I'm getting, like, more, more mail from people going, hey, on Monday, can you talk about this? Look, the point of it is to have people viewing and to have an interaction. <laughs> I don't want more questions coming into my DMs. You know what I mean? Like, I get it, and I want to be able to interact with you fellas and, and you girls and guys. Lots of girls listen as well. Um, but it's hard to follow through the messages. So if you've got something to say or you want to have a chat, um, you know, tune in and ask me. Ask us. And that's on uh, Mondays. Follow the Hockey, uh, Hockey Podcast Network's YouTube channel. Uh yeah, that's about it. Uh, DraftKings, thanks again. You know, we got a renewed sponsorship with DraftKings, which has been great. Very professional organization that I don't, I, 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 I don't know where my line, it's a fine line with sponsors. You know, some sponsors, you're like, I don't really want to be sponsored by somebody that I don't support, you know, and maybe if that day happens, I'll either let you know <laughs> or I'll sell out. But DraftKings is not the case. I use DraftKings all the time. So do my buddies. And uh, I appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, and I also appreciate Wedgwood Cafe on Elizabeth Avenue. Check that out for all your catering needs. It's also a nice spot to, to, to drop in and have a bite. And uh, Green Sleeves. Great live music, great food, Trinity Pub, Bull and Barrel, and TJ's. I like to throw those places out there. Um, they're like my local sponsors for reasons that are between me and them. Maybe it's a free beer once in a while. Maybe it's a free meal. 
in any case, if you've got something that you want promoted or you want to sponsor the show, just shoot me a note. Same place if you want a book, Terry Ryan 2020 at gmail.com. Terry Ryan 2020 at gmail.com. If you'd like to stay up on current events, I know I'm planning a few speeches. I'm going to be in Nashville in two weeks from now. Follow me on Instagram, and that's Terry Ryan 2020. And uh, like I said, I, I can't promise I can get back to you right away. But uh, follow along if you want to stay up to date on what I'm doing, what my dad is doing. And uh, if you want sponsorship or anything like that, contact the Hockey Podcast Network. Right on Instagram or follow us on YouTube or just shoot me a note. Now, on that note, I'm really excited. One of my favorites coming right up. Tim, the tool man warns me. Be right back. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If the sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big day payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. Download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code thpn bet just one dollar on any nba team and get 150 dollars in free bets if they win that's promo code thpn at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction see draftkings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state specific responsible gambling resources void where prohibited minimum five dollar deposit gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in tennessee call Call the TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7 or visit ccp.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Ladies and gents, my next guest is a freelance sports writer who has worked all over North America for more than a quarter century. If you're into sports, you'll likely have come across his footprints on the CBC, Globe and Mail, or literally hundreds of other media outlets all over the planet. His latest book is entitled Gold, How Gretzky's Men Ended, Canada's 50-Year Olympic Hockey Drought, and is available just about everywhere. It comes highly recommended by fans and for fans, and for me, I can't wait to wrap my eyes around it. A veteran of Terry Ryan Sr.'s basement on Park Avenue, he is a rollicking reporter, a joyous journalist, a radiant writer, a witty winger, a Waterlooian wizard, a Corktownian king. He's not a crook and just wrote a book. Timmy's his name and writing is his game. He's from Waterloo and you see him on TV too. He's cool like Dick Dale and wrote for the Globe and Mail. He knows how to dress and is with the press. The Range are a band led by Hornsby and please welcome to the show, my guest, it's Tim, Timmy, the tool man, Warmsby. How you doing, buddy? Good. You must have went to uh, folklore at uh, Memorial University. Boy, what an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was, uh, I really started laughing towards the end. I think I butchered it. But anyway, there you go. Uh, mm, what, why? Great guess. I did do folklore at Mon. Um, how's everything going, buddy? Good. How are, you? How are you? How's your family? And more importantly, your dad, one of my favorites uh, that I've ever visited. He's doing great. I'm sitting here in his basement now. 
Oh, great. When we did the, uh, when I, when I, when I did the preamble, I was, I was trying to explain when I met you and I, I thought it was at the summit of arts, but it would have been here then. Was that here at the craft hockeyville? I can't remember what came first. You were in this basement. No. When? Well, when was the craft hockeyville? 2018, 17, maybe. No, no, before no. that, 2011, I think. Yeah, I think we we have to go back. I I actually met you at the your draft year. What was that? The 1996. 95. Yeah, yeah. I was in those scrums. We didn't know each other then, but uh, yeah, I remember we talked were, about that. Were, yeah, yeah, you were even a character back then. <laughs> God, <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine what I must have been talking about back then, uh, coming across a scrum. So listen. Well, don't forget, my roommate at Ryerson University was a, a Newfoundlander from uh, Grand Falls, Windsor, and so I've always had a special place in my heart for you guys. And I, 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 I've had two visits to Newfoundland. One was for Craft Hockeyville, and you really took me uh, under your wing. Uh, the boat ride uh, with the former NHL defenseman, I think he passed on. Uh, Bird Doug, yeah. Uh, yeah. Greg yeah. Smith. And, uh, Greg Smith, for those that don't know, but yeah, one, one of the greatest. What a great afternoon that was, and uh, I probably had too many beers on the boat and I had to go back to my hotel room and, and write up about Newfoundland hockey. And, uh, uh, you know, just what a bunch of guys. And uh, again, your dad had such a big role in, uh, in, in getting the stream going from, from the rock to the NHL. Yeah, man. I, I do remember that now. Good thing. Good thing. We talked, we spoke because bird passed and I forgot about that. And I've got a scrapbook somewhere, Tim, and I'll, I'll dig those up. His uh, partner, Tammy, we were just out the other night for a beer. Bird Dog would go every year. Uh, he would give up boozing from New Year's right up until Patty's Day. So Patty's Day was Bird Dog Day in our eyes, right? So anyway, we, we just yeah. had a great laugh, cry, song, everything the other night uh, with uh, with all of, of, of his friends. So that was a good time. A gentle giant, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, on the ice, just an absolute... He was, he had a mean streak and that's what made him bird dog, but off the ice, big teddy bear and one of my favorites. Um, so first of all, we'll get into that first. Why the book? Why now? And did you know for how long did you know that you were going to do this? Was this some kind of goal that, you know, because I know you write a lot and you're, you're beat writing, you're, you're freelancing, you're, you're, you're writing for papers. Where did you find the time, first of all, and when did you know you were going to do it? Yeah, I had lots of time. Um, uh, when I was Scott Morrison, uh, you remember, remember him from Sportsnet fame, Hockey Night in Canada fame. Uh, he was once my sports editor at the Toronto Sun, and we remained pretty close friends uh, uh, all these years. And um, when he uh, 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 retired from uh, the game, he wanted to write a few books. And um, we had lunch, and he said, come to the table with a few ideas. And uh, one of them was with this one and we went through all the ideas and he liked most of them, but he didn't like this one. And I said, uh, boy, I, I'm really high on this uh, idea. It's going to be the 20th anniversary in a couple of years. Cause I think this, this was 2020 where we were discussing it. And he said, I wasn't there. You were there. You obviously have passion for the subject. You know, I know you haven't written a book, but I think you, you know, you've helped me out on a few other projects. You're ready to write a book. So he kind of inspired me and urged me. Uh, to write the book. He helped me find a book agent. I'm not sure how your thing went because you had a great story to tell. I, I found a book agent in Brian Wood. And, uh, you know, he's he represents a lot of the guys like Bob McKenzie and James. Yeah, Duffy Brian represented me on my first book. He's great. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, he's he's. If there's a reason why there's so many good sports books in Canada, I think Brian has played a huge role in that. Yeah. So he helped me find a publisher, and uh, you know, because I was a first-time author, even though I had a lot of experience writing newspaper stories, I had to write a sample chapter. Uh, we found a publisher, and um, I slowly wrote the book. It it coincided with the beginning of the pandemic in March 2000, uh, tw sorry, 2020, and um, I. I wrote that the initial chapter was on the goaltending change that they had to make in the 2002, such a tough decision for Pat Quinn. It was his man, Curtis Joseph, that uh, didn't play well in the opener against Sweden. They went to Marty Bordeur. Uh, I don't think Bordeur had to play that great. He did, he did make a couple big saves in the gold medal final uh, to, to allow Canada to win, but uh, you know, tough decision. Pat eventually lost Curtis as a free agent later that summer. And a lot of people speculated, Interesting. you know, it was because of that feud, right? And uh, anyway, wrote that chapter, got a deal, uh, did all the interviews over the summer, got down to the writing in the fall, and uh, it sat there in the publisher's uh, a lap for almost uh, 10 months. You, you kind of get nervous, like, why haven't I heard anything? I'm not a pushy person. Uh, but the, uh, the edited version came back to me. I, got a, I had two, three weeks to look at it, make some subtle changes, and then it just came out to... Uh, February 1st, by the time the distributors got her, the bookstores and that, it was February 15th. The anniversary was February 24th. So, you know, it's been a great run. I've had a lot of positive feedback. Um, you know, I've always, I, I would never say I'm a great writer, but I've always been a good reporter. And uh, it was, uh, Terry, the, you know, much like you have always been with me, uh, all 23 players, management staff, coaching staff were so open. Uh, you could tell how proud they were of this accomplishment. Um, you know, I thought it was a very important um, part in Canadian hockey because of the fact that they ended a 50-year drought to win gold medal, Olympic gold medal. Um, it was a real downward period, too, in Canadian hockey. If you recall, uh, Gretzky and the boys lost the 96 World Cup to Brett Hall in the uh, USA. Uh, the first time the NHLers were allowed in the Olympics in 98 in Nagano, they lost to Dominic Hasek and the mm -hmm. Czech Republic in the semifinals and didn't... And, didn't even show up for the bronze medal game. That was a, just a horrible effort. A lot of criticism back here. Then there was a summit in 99. What's wrong with our game? A lot of people laughed at that. Yeah, you know, I remember was, that. Yeah. So the, the summit happened. Gretzky was involved in that. And um, even the World Junior Program, which, you know, was so successful in the 90s, it hit a dry spell in 90, from 98 to 2004. No gold medals. So, you know, this, a lot of pressure was on this gang uh, when they showed up in Salt Lake City. Plus, you had the backdrop of 9-11. You know, yes, there was a Super Bowl maybe three weeks before the gold medal game, but this was the first uh, really international, worldwide event since 9-11. Security was so tight. I remember flying in there uh, about a week before the game started, and um, helicopters were hovering over the city, uh, uh, Security people were in the mountains you, wearing those white suits you see that uh, uh, maybe in those old James Bond films. And, uh, you know, it was, it was quite the, uh, a lot of tension. And uh, this group pulled through. And, and, what, and now you look back 20 years later, um, and uh, what a talented group because 14 of them went to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, Pat Quinn, was, was yep. there a story about him becoming the coach? Yeah, was it, I remember something about it, and, and it's hard to, well, that's why I'm talking to you. Tell us. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm going to take a step back there because uh, 
I think you you would you've admired Bobby Clark. I think the, you yeah. did you not were you were you interviewed about your draft? I think you, you yeah, and him. I loved him as a player, Bobby Clark, yeah. and I've I've Bobby heard. Clark, I, I think the credit should begin with Bob, Bobby Clark's feet because you know he was him and Bob Ganey, who another guy I really admire, were in charge of the uh, 1998 Olympic team, and it didn't go well. But it was a first time experience. Uh, a lot of things had to be improved on. And Bobby felt so patriotic and so, um, you know, passionate about Canadian hockey. He sat down with Ganey and they wrote up a, a list of things that went wrong, uh, kind of like a debriefing session. And then Clark uh, met with Bob Nicholson, who was, who was then in charge of uh, Hockey Canada. They went over this list. And, uh, you know, amongst many things, he talked about player selection, uh, the, the importance of naming a captain. He didn't think he should have n- named Lindros in, in 98 because Eric was still too young and Gretzky was still too much a leader that he should have been the captain. It, it sort of distracted the players. Like, who do I follow? Gretzky. It wasn't like Gretzky and Lindros had a feud because Gretzky did try to remain in the background, but everybody was so used to following Gretzky's lead. You know, they, it was a little bit distracting. So yeah. uh, one of the suggestions was Bobby Clark uh, said, get Wayne Gretzky involved in this team in any way you can, because uh, you know, not only is this guy one of the game's greatest players, but boy, does he know the game. Like, he knows the rosters of all the NHL teams. He knows the systems different coaches have. And I think that he's got so much passion for this that he should be involved. So when Bettman finally got around to announcing that uh, uh, the NHL players were going to participate again in, in 2002, which was at the World Championships 2000, uh, Nicholson flew down to California to meet with Gretzky and to see if this was his man. And he was wild right away about how much uh, research and uh, thoughts that Gretzky came to the table. So they got a, uh, the first day they got around late afternoon to discussing who, who would Gretzky like as a coach. So Nicholson wrote four names down on a piece of paper. Gretzky wrote four names down on a piece of paper. And three were the same, but then there was one difference. I, I don't know who the different one was on Gretzky's, but I don't do know on Nicholson's, it was Pat Quinn. And uh, right away, Gretzky said, that really intrigues me. You have Pat Quinn. Uh, how do you know him? And, and this sort of thing. And Nicholson says, well, the guy has been unbelievable to Hockey Canada. He's helped us devise some programs. And I've, I've known him for a long time. Um, when, when Pat was coach in, in Vancouver, that's where Nicholson was from. And uh, so you know, I highly recommend him. I, I think he coaches this, the right style you need in Olympic Games. So they just kind of left it, and the next day they played golf um, with Gretzky's neighbor. You might remember this NHL, Russ Cortnell. Yeah. And uh, they, they had a really enjoyable day on the links and uh, retired to the clubhouse for lunch. And Gretzky said, uh, take a look at all these names from Bob's list and my list. Uh, who would you get to coach? The Olympic team. And uh, Russ didn't miss a beat. He said, oh, easy, Pat Quinn. And it took uh, Gretzky aback, and he because Gretzky's really only brushed with him other than playing against him when Quinn was a coach in what Philly, Los Angeles Kings, Vancouver, Toronto was uh, when he was a free agent in 90, in the summer of 96, I think it was Vancouver was Vancouver came close to signing Gretzky. So Gretzky did meet with Quinn in the Seattle airport. And then the, the agent and the ownership of Vancouver screwed up the deal. And that's when he went to sign with the Rangers. So that was really only his only, personal brush with Quinn. And uh, so Russ said, you know, the reason I, 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 I'm suggesting Quinn, and I only had him briefly as a coach in Vancouver, but I had him as a general manager. 
He said, there's only two. I, I played for a lot of teams, Wayne, and he did, right? Russ Courtnell. Yeah. Uh, there's only two, two people that really treated players like men, not like boys, but like men. And that's Serge Savard, the general manager of Montreal, who drafted you, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and, and Pat Quinn. And huh. he said, in a short, short-term event like this, you need a player's coach. Uh, you need a guy that uh, understand, is a good communicator, understands people, understands hu- human nature. And Pat's a, a borderline psychologist. Even though he had a law degree, he was a great psychologist. You'll have enough assistant coaches to do the X's and O's. But you need a guy to, you know, he also has that physical presence too, right? Big man, burly. Yeah. If he has to get tough, he can get tough. So obviously it was a, a good decision. So the chain of command there. Bobby Clark deserves credit. Russ Courtland deserves credit. Bob Nicholson deserves credit. And then Wayne for taking the advice of those uh, three people. That is interesting. And it's funny that you said that because Serge Savard and Pat Quinn, I've only been in their company, both of them briefly, but that is the exact feeling that I got, like being associated with both guys was, you know, they're professional. They treat boys like men i almost got that from jean beliveau as well uh, you know but very respected and uh interesting listen mario lemieux he's one of one of my favorite sports stories ever and he had so many comebacks and i looked back at the stats and i was surprised he had six points sakic led the team with seven so lemieux had like, I'm trying to remember the tournament on ice, and I can tell you everything that happens in the 72 Summit Series, in the 87 Canada Cup, uh, and I don't know. I'd never really gone back and watched. So did Lemieux, I mean, and I know he was injured. Like, what happened during that tournament? What was his storyline? I remember some great plays that he made, but other than that, you know, it was one of the great ones last hurrah. I mean, he obviously had more to do with it than I thought. Yeah. Well, it, it, it really is a great story because, uh, you know, remember he had retired. Yeah. He had the, the cancer fight. He had that bad back. He criticized the league for being, a, was it a garage league? Yeah. I know that was a French term, but, um, uh, you know, he was disgusted with the game. And I think he had this reputation of not really caring. And, you know, if there's one thing I learned from this book, like all the players said he was such a great leader. And I, I don't remember anybody really saying, like, great player, obviously, but, was he yeah. a great leader? But all the guys say, like, like you're a young guy. Say you're a young guy on that team, and you're playing with some of your heroes. Steve Eiserman, Al McGinnis, you know, just the list goes on and on. Rob Blake, you're yeah. going in that. You're going to be a little intimidated, right? And so some of the young guys like Ryan Smith, Simon Gagne, Eric Brewer, uh, they all told me how uh, Lemieux was so uh, – just made everybody feel so comfortable before practices, you go around and talk to everybody just for two minutes. You know, how are you doing? What did you think of yesterday's practice? What did you think of yesterday's game? Uh, what, what, what do you see happening tonight? You know, that sort of thing. Have a cup of coffee with some guy. Uh, team dinners, same thing. Morning breakfasts. Uh, sometimes they would all get together back in the athlete's village to watch a game. And I think Ryan Smith said, yeah, there was one coach that, you know, probably could have fit four people, but Mario always would just lie prone on it. So, you know, we knew not to sit there. That was Mario's couch. Uh, so he was, he really made himself part of the team and or, or a leader too. But so about the same time Hockey Canada announces Gretzky as the guy, Mario, there's rumors starting about Mario making a comeback. 
And uh, sure enough, uh, just before Christmas that year, he, he makes his comeback. And mm. I think he's played against the Leafs tonight. I, I think it took him 34 seconds, something like that, to get an assist on a goal, right? He, he was back. Remember how great shape he looked? Mm. So skinny in the face. And uh, uh, so he, you know, he came back with a purpose. And the purpose was he wanted to play for Canada one more time. And this is something I didn't know until I started doing research, Terry, for the book. This was the first time he played for Canada since that big goal in 87. He, he, uh, yeah, he always I, had Yeah, he, I he mean, that is years. absolutely amazing. But, I mean, no wonder. Yeah, I guess because he's out of sight, out of mind, and all those – and Canada had some big – I mean, we didn't even mention the 91 Canada Cup. That was another big tournament, right? Yeah. And he wasn't involved. Yeah. And I guess in, like, in, in, in 98 he must have been injured, was he? I think he was. Um, he, I don't think he was playing then. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was off and on the whole nineties. I mean, yeah. with cancer yeah, and everything down, else. He turned down ninety six. Uh, then he think. He, then I think he retired. So he wasn't around for ninety eight, but came back to the Olympics. So he had a really good year, two thousand two thousand one. But coming back to the Olympic year, boy, he had some stints on the injured reserve. He had a minor hip surgery done. Um, he he actually didn't play that much from about. Uh, the time the roster was announced before Christmas time to, to the Olympics. I think he only played about six or seven games because he wanted to make sure he was 100% for the Olympics. And, you know, I know he had a lot of criticism back home because after the Olympics, he played one or two games and then he was out for the rest of the year. Yeah. Didn't play in the playoffs or anything. So his hip was really bothering him. In fact, during the tournament, Terry, he sat out the second game against, so Canada played the second game against Germany. And that's another great story about the leadership of this team. Uh, you know, because of because Mario was going to sit out and they didn't play very well in the first great game, uh, Pat and the coaching staff decided we're going to change up the lines. And so Joe Sackett played the first game with Steve Eiserman and Mario. And uh, he shows up the next day for practice and his new line mates are Jerome McGinley and Simon Gagne. And, and you know how humble Jerome is, right? Yeah. Uh, so, Jerome, so Jerome's thinking... Oh, geez, uh, you know, he's going to be pissed. He's All of a sudden, he's playing with these two young punks. And he goes from two Hall of Famers to two young punks. But Joe comes right up to them and says, hey, guys, claps. And I, I, I see I'm playing with you guys now. I'm really excited about this. We're going to be a great line. Let's get to know each other in practice and afterwards. And let's have a good finish to this tournament. You know, what leadership, right? It just put those two guys at ease. And, uh, and, and uh, they were the best line, especially in that final game. I'm intrigued by leaders, always have been. And I love to hear that about uh, Lemieux. I'm not, I'm not so surprised to hear it about Joe Sackick, but it's nice to hear that this team that we all cheered for, there was so much leadership going on behind the scenes. And yes, uh, I played with Aginla way back, and he's just one of those guys that's, um, yeah, humble. That's the way to put it. I, I can totally see that situation uh, unfolding. Uh, that's so interesting. I mean, it's like writing a huge paper that you're, actually interested in and you were there you covered it so this must have been i mean when you started doing this the process would have been intriguing to say the least no oh yeah for sure it's easy because you can do it chronologically um you know yeah. to the build up of the semifinal and then sort of a my last chapter is where did everybody go afterwards um you know who was the first guy out like that was theo Fleury. you know another great story for that like i think he was probably the most controversial pick on that team um Wow. Uh, you know, who lasted the longest? It was Jerome. Uh, 
yeah. the other remarkable thing that I've, I'm looking back now, 20 years later, and it's in the book is how many of these guys like in hockey always had a problem where the superstars never stayed in the game, but look at all the guys from this team that stayed in the game in prominent positions, Rob Blake, general manager, of the LA Kings, Joe Sackick, president and, and general manager of the avalanche, Brendan Shanahan, president of the Leafs, Steve Eiserman, general manager of, uh, of Detroit. Uh, Chris Pronger was briefly in the management game. Uh, uh, well, somebody Lemieux. just came back. Lemieux's owner, Scott Niedemeyer just came back now and is working for Anaheim. Yeah. Uh, Paul, yeah. Paul Korea wants to get in the game somehow. He's just, you know, waiting for the right opportunity. Uh, it's just amazing. Well, how many that, guys? There you go with the oh, Marty Berger. Marty Berger is <laughs> in the game <laughs> with New Jersey. So. But there you go with leadership, right? I mean, it's no fluke. It's no fluke. And uh, no fluke they won either. I mean, it was it was very interesting to watch at the time. But of all those tournaments, honestly, it, for me, I remember the least. So I'm really looking forward to reading the book. And congrats. What got you into all this in the beginning, Tim? When you were growing up, did you want to be a hockey player or a basketball player? You, know, you cover more than hockey. Um or was it an athlete and you were chasing after it and so interested that you were writing about it? Because <laughs> that's yeah. kind of was my background. I enjoyed writing about it early and I was kind of more intrigued at times by the writers. That's why I was so let down when Red Fisher would meet me when I was standing in the same room because I really, I looked up to him like I looked up to Guido Fleur. But we're talking about you here, not me. How did you get yeah. into writing to begin with? And, you know, did Ryerson, was, was that your goal? Uh, right off the bat to be a reporter or a writer, so to speak? No, it's kind of by accident, Terry. Um, you know, I'm from Waterloo, Ontario, which is about uh, uh, a little over an hour west of Toronto. Mm. And uh, I was going to University of Waterloo. Just, I, I started uh, just with a general BA program, but then I, I, I went into kinesiology. I've always loved the psychology of sport. Um, un unfortunately, this was uh, also part of the physiology of sport. And um, so that, didn't really interest me so but I, I stuck through it I came back for my it was a four-year program I came back for my third year and I saw an advertisement in the school newspaper that they needed some uh, sports reporters and uh, for hockey and basketball now Waterloo had a great basketball program so I, I knew they were in good hands uh, you know they'd find somebody but the hockey program stunk like it was terrible and what I didn't like Terry is the write-ups in, in my pre in the previous year were done by a couple of the hockey players and they would make the, a 13-2 loss seem like it was a close game. <laughs> so that's, that's how bad they were. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I, you know, by default, I got the job because I was the only guy that applied for it. And, uh, I, you know, I, I struggled through uh, that first year. But you know what I really liked is when the hockey season ended, they'd say, hey, this cross-country uh, runner, uh, she, uh, she finished third in the provincials. Uh, would you be free to do a profile on her? That's what I really liked. Finding out people's stories, what made them tick, uh, where they came from, what was their upbringing, how'd they get into sport. Uh, uh, so, I, I, you know, I, I wrote a few more stories that spring, and I was downtown one day in Waterloo, like a small town. It's like St. John's, and uh, well, St. John's is bigger, but I was crossing the street to go meet some friends for a beer, and uh, I ran into the sports editor, the weekly paper there. It's just, you know, one day a week. And he, you know, I played baseball, so he knew me. And he knew I worked at the golf course. And uh, he said, listen, my sports editor, I see you're writing for the school newspaper. When my sports editor goes on vacation in August, uh, would you have a free night 
a few nights free to to write on some of the local sports and i said yeah yeah sure so uh, he he's the guy that encouraged me his name's rick campbell to to go to ryerson and uh i did and uh, was i was lucky enough to get an internship with the sun and they hired me on from that and uh it's just been a great uh, you know 30 plus years meeting all kinds of people writing their stories and you know you'd be at the one in probably my top five people i've, I've always met so i've always enjoyed talking to you and uh, that's i'm glad you've had me on the show well thank you the feeling is mutual as you'll uh as you'll expect and you'll hear in the preamble i was always fascinated growing up i i was talking about it by the, the writers thing, Terry, I, I can't believe that uh, you thought i was going to be a hockey player you've seen me play hockey well you play <laughs> hockey though yeah you play right i, I know <laughs> I'm not trying to shoot shit here, you know, but you 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 start somewhere growing. Like, for example, um, the show we just did, we finished Shorzy. I mean, I didn't realize, I didn't know Jared Kiso played hockey, but when I got there, you know, and, he, and he's he's talking about it so much. And I mean, he's involved, I won't say the media, but, you know, in the, he writes and he, and he produces and a lot of things that have to do with hockey in some way or another, even indirectly. In a lot of ways, but there's always kind of a hockey theme, and even in the lingo that he uses. And then I found out he played junior A or junior B. I'm like, oh, of course, you know, because well, that's that was kind of where I was going with that because everybody thinks they're going to make the NHL when until they're 13 or 14, right? Yeah, well, I, I was a very serious asthmatic when I was a kid. So, did you have a uh, sports you know, hero? It didn't. Oh yeah, my local guys. Uh, you know, I've always said I don't. I didn't really cheer for Toronto Maple Leafs or. Uh, it was uh, two guys, Mike Uzeric and Mark Field. They were two sport guys. They were two of the best hockey players on the Waterloo Siskins, Junior B. They and, and then they moved on to the Kitchener Rangers, Junior A. But they were also great baseball players. And, you know, that was the sport I gravitated to a little bit more because, you know, an asthmatic could handle that, right? And uh, oh, I was I a bad boy, boy for the Waterloo Junior Expos. And those kid, those guys treated me so well. And uh, I, I always used to write in, in my biography. I I didn't grow up cheering for Dave Keon on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I grew up cheering for uh, Mike Uzeric and Mark Field, the Barley Siskins. And one time my older sister ran into to Mike Uzeric and he says, would you tell your brother to quit putting me in his, bio, in his uh, little biography there? <laughs> well, I don't like the attention. So but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's sort of part. I, I was a real small town guy. I liked small town sports. And if, you know, if I could have been hired back from my local paper, I would have went back there in a heartbeat. But uh, there was no room at the inn back in the back in the day. You know, the writing always intrigued me, and you said it earlier. Reporting that that that's the difference. Like reporting because you you have a deadline, and I always really respected that because I don't know what I would do. I, I love writing. I love being creative, but with what you're doing a lot of the time, it's tough to do that because you you're just you, you got you know bookends here this is the time this is the game now i got to get it in by now and to me i guess there would be a lot of pressure to that i mean is there is there a way to handle that do you organize your day differently what's a typical day when you're busy and how many you know if you're writing three different three different sports and they're all happening in one day for free you know i guess you're you're freelancing so i mean how do you handle that is there some days chaos yeah, you know, one one of my gigs right now is I, I'm a, sort of a backup guy for Canadian Press, so I I'll do some Argos, uh, TFC, Blue Jays, Leafs. Rap, I've done a lot of Raptors this year. Yeah, and you know they're they're sports that you know I really have to pay attention to now because uh, with the exception of hockey, it comes naturally to me because I've 
you know, been in that sort of uh, area for a long time, but uh, I really do have to pay attention. Uh, you know, I find myself tuning into a second half of a Raptors game now, uh, just, you know, just to see what they're up to. Who's the hot guy? Are they winning? That sort of thing. Um, same with TFC. Uh, the Argos have, haven't started yet, but uh, yeah, no, I, I really have to organize my day in terms of, uh, especially at nighttime, uh, what, what do I want to watch? What do I want to take in? What do I want to learn from? And then, you know, I like to write in the mornings because I think for me anyway, that's when I, I'm getting old now, Terry. Uh, that's when I have the most energy and I'm thinking the clearest. Well, then, you never know when that Jameson model is going to come out too, right? So. Yeah, well, well, again, maybe if you're writing, again, imagine like I respect writing, but I don't know many fiction, right? I mean, it must be completely different. I could see how if you were writing fiction, you could get into a little bit of a twist on at night and maybe get somewhere with it. Now, yeah. what I'm doing is somewhere in the middle, right? But, you know, when I'm writing about at least my memoirs and things like that. But what you're doing, even with the book, you know, I guess you're not on as much of a day-to-day -day deadline. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to get in that creative writing zone when you, you're on deadlines. And, I mean, you're, you're not doing it to be creative. But I just mean it's two different levels. And you've got to stay in touch. So I'm, I'm assuming your, your vacations are based around when sports are not being played, no? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, my wife is also involved in, in this similar thing. She's a behind-the-scenes person at, at Hockey Night in Canada. Mm. Um, she, you know, she used to, when Don Cherry was uh, uh, doing the work, she was kind of um, his right-hand person. And uh, so that's, you know, because we're kind of hockey people, it's very defined when we can take vacations, right? Although... Boy, it used to be don't even think about taking a day off during the hockey season. Now you see more like uh, you'll see an announcer disappear for a week because he's taking his family down to Florida for a March break or whatever. It's a little bit more relaxed, but uh, back in the day, oh, my God, you couldn't take it. And then you would know that schedule would be defined during the summer. You would know that uh, the senior guy in the beats taking the first three weeks off. Uh, so you've got the first three weeks, which were always the most important because it was usually around free agency and stuff and you know things would wane uh, in august but the now boy it seems like it's uh, almost uh well it is 12 months a year now so do you like do you ever feel pressure to get you know with the deadlines oh yeah yeah like uh I, i've had a real uh eye-opening learning experience with the raptors because i don't think i uh, have had an easy game to cover and what by that i mean you know, a team's up by 20 with uh, five minutes to go and it's <laughs> yeah. pretty safe that you can start writing your story. You so the last one, I, last one I did was the Lakers game uh, on Friday night against Toronto. And it was, I think there were something like 16 or 18 lead changes. The, the game was tied at uh, 14 different times. Oh, God. It, it looked like Toronto had it. And then they threw it away in the last minute there. Uh the uh, Lakers hit a three with uh, you know 0.4 seconds left, and then it's overtime. And oh my god! So you 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 know you you change your story about six different times, right? And uh, it's tough. It's tough. What is your favorite sport to cover? Um, probably golf because it moves so slow. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I could I could see how that would be paradise if you were uh, if you had deadlines yeah. and you were reporting. It's the longest it's the longest day. Um, but it's uh, it's so slow. So, you know, I, 
hockey's a game I've grown to love because I've been around it. I learned a lot from people like you, Pat Quinn. Uh, just, you know, it's uh, wonderful people. You said John Beliveau. I've got a theory that uh, one of the reasons why it's so neat to be around is because the quality of people, the quality of the players, uh, you know, it's not as good as it used to be, but how open players used to be, um, you know, probably started with Gordie Howe, uh, such a nice man. And John Beliveau picked up on that. And then Bobby Orr picked up on that. And then Wayne Gretzky picked up the mantle. Yeah. You had guys like Dale Howard, Chuck and yeah. Sidney Crosby. Well, you know, it just goes right down the line. And, uh, um, but the one thing I don't like though, about hockey is, uh, how slow the game seems from way upstairs in the press box. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I didn't realize this until, you know, maybe around the year 2000, uh, I, I had a friend that had seasons tickets and she often couldn't find a person to go. So if I wasn't working, I'd sit with her and they were great seats. And, I, all of a sudden, I thought, boy, is this game physical? Man, does it move at a breakneck pace? And you really got a new appreciation for it. So, A, TV doesn't do NHL hockey justice. And, B, we see the game move at a much slower pace by sitting way high up. Yeah, I really never thought about it like that. But I think the same. Like, almost with each level you get lower is becomes a completely different game you're watching or, or, yeah. no completely different experience i guess yeah um, yeah you size of the players you don't realize until you're there in person uh and down low uh you know there's no time like i don't know what it's like like i know it's a real instinctual sport right um you know because you guys have to you know be sort of a step ahead and that's why oh, they yeah. say gretzky was so good because he was two steps ahead yeah, and uh, uh, it's just uh, it's it's such a it's just such a quick game and just so exciting to watch when you're actually in the building and have a good seat. Now, if you're a Toronto fan of sports, wouldn't this be one of the best times to to to, to I guess that I should rephrase that? Wouldn't this be a, one of the best times to be a Toronto sports fan? I mean, even uh, now, FC is the one I'm behind on, but didn't they just sign a, Tor a Torontonian, like a great local, or he got player of the week or something? Yeah, player of the week, a local guy did, but you know, they've signed a guy from Italy. He hasn't come over yet because his season hasn't uh, uh, ended over in Italy. So that's the big signing they're going to. I've um, been there and, and it's packed. Like, I love, I love the environment, but I'm guilty of it. I leave, I leave the field and I don't keep up with FC, but. How does that fit into the mix of the major sports up there? Is it still growing or does it have its base and that's it, which is a pretty big base from what I see on TV, but you know what I mean? They're yeah. just one wow. rung off of being in the awareness. It's not like I turn on Toronto sports radio and I hear people talking about FC a lot. Yeah. You know, it's a real, um, for your, for your uh, information or uh, uh, theories on the team and stuff, it's a real internet thing. You have to know the, the different sites to go to, uh, yeah. you know, they have a fan based websites. There are a few good soccer writers. The guy for Canadian press is really good. Neil Davidson. Um, but you know, he's, he knows the game inside out. Uh, but, uh, I, I find it's a real sort of a chatting chat room, sort of a sport. Uh, it's got, it's real local or sorry, loyal, avid followers. Like there's about, they call it the red patch. So they sit in the, in the South end and they don't stop cheering the whole game. And, 
I think that's why Canada's done so well in Toronto, you know, the, the emergence of this Canadian national team because of that red patch has been so supportive uh, of, of the national team when they, when they do play the games here and they have a chance uh, this weekend to clinch here in Toronto, which would be a great scene. But uh, so it, I think, you know, it, right away, because <clears throat> at the time when TFC came into existence, the Raptors weren't very good. The Leafs were crap. So there were, you know, some fans were looking for something new yeah. and uh, TFC was, did all right. And they slowly built up into a championship team and uh, it waned a bit the last couple of years, but uh, you see it coming back this year because they made a lot of exciting changes. Uh, you know, they seem to be headed in the right direction again, even though it's, we're only uh, three weeks into the season, but uh, it's definitely third behind, behind uh, the Raptors and the Leafs, but it's ahead of the Argos already uh, in terms of, following and that sort of thing i would think you know if you're following the trend of soccer worldwide and our national teams there's a vibe and it's trending upward i i would hope that i can't believe i'm saying this about toronto sports but I, you know, it's true i follow a lot of the toronto sports media not to put anyone particular avenue down but i don't think it's covered enough like if, if i just heard it more I, I really would follow it more you know it's it's whatever you're hearing i throw it on i listen to a lot of podcasts a lot of sports shows you know whatever i'm listening to if it's covered i'll probably pick up a little bit more about it but i exactly i find myself having to hunt just because i don't want to be ignorant to it i'm like these guys are it's a professional league like i'm, I'm in toronto here and there i go to games i mean you know i think we kind of take it for granted if not uh but anyway um Timmy, listen, I got a few more questions left. Just we, we call them rapid fire randoms. It'll probably be 10 or 12 minutes. Are you okay with that? Yeah, of course. Okay, here we go. Rapid fire randoms with Tim Warnsby. Here we go. What's the most underrated cartoon ever? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, underrated. Yeah, because I, I only know the popular ones, but... Um... Yeah. You know, you know, I'm a big Howard Stern fan. Yes, and, I do. Uh, so one of the producers, uh, the main producer, his nickname is Baba Bowie. Yeah. Okay. I know he's, that. Named, he's named after a because he thought Baba Louie, the famous cartoon from the 60s, was Baba Bowie. Is that so how they, that started? They, yeah. <laughs> so I would have to go with Baba Louie because not a lot of people would know that one. Yeah. I didn't know how Baba Bowie started. Uh, Death Row Meal. You've just committed a crime. You just lost your job and you're pissed off. You come back and uh, you're just having a bad day and you take it out on someone that's passing down the street. You lop their head off with a machete. Now you've got to pay the price and that you're in Texas. So it's death row. What are you going to have on the menu this evening? Shepherd's pie. Shepherd's pie. And I love shepherd's pie. I, could I eat love it every shepherd's day. pie and I haven't heard that answer yet. Um, <laughs> I'm some, trying of to these, some of these I ask you. every week some are some not so much <laughs> what's the best pizza you've ever had ooh that's a good like a, like a chain you mean or just... well either you know you, you either a taste or a chain whatever pops into your head no I'd have to go with Kathy's my wife she she makes a great pizza wow makes okay I'm gonna have to try this sometime pizza. Makes her own dough, and uh, we probably have it once every two weeks for lunch. It's just tremendous. Kathy's in Corktown. Hold me to that, or I'm holding you to it. 
Um, okay. The next time I'm in Toronto, who's your favorite cowboy of all time? Well, um, I would say, can I name like because they're they're joined at the hip, but Butch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh yeah, beauty! One of my favorite I love, movies. I love that film. Yeah. Um, okay, so you got to go to an island for one year. Okay, you just for whatever reason in this world, you've got to go to this island. Now, there's food growing and things, right? There's enough there to build a shack and everything. You're, you're going to live, but it's going to be boring, I suppose, depending on who you pick. So you got to pick three of these people and leave two out. They're going to come and they're going to spend this year with you on the island. Okay. Kevin Lowe. Kyrie Irving, Mick Jagger, Aaron Rodgers, and Steven Spielberg. So you I have to leave to, two of these out? You have to leave two out. So you well, and three easy. of those people are going to be a four-man team. And, you know, I okay. mean... Yeah, so Irving's out because of his stance on the, uh, on the back scene. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so Aaron Rodgers, for similar reasons, boy, that guy's really turned into an arrogant... Uh, Prick, as arrogant. You whatever, whatever side you take, just an arrogant. I, I don't know. Yeah, he's really I, up until like a year and a half ago. I, yeah, I, I know. I know. He's, he's even getting one eighty or something, right? Yeah. Okay, so so, to, keep, so you're taking I'll Spielberg, Jagger, and Low. Yeah, I'm a film nut. I'm not much of a Spielberg guy, but God, the guy I've seen documentaries on him. He's so interesting. Well, now these and two, these, but Rogers and Irving are younger. Maybe they can make a shack. Maybe they can hunt better you know what i mean like they're younger legs they can run I don't, know. I don't know you won't find too many guys in better shape than mick jagger boy well i suppose true hey two weeks their the own they put a, a step thing on him during a concert and they they said he ran 12 miles or like like skip still walk 12 miles in a concert yeah i think i would take Jagger and Spielberg for the stories, right? And there, Spielberg seems like a real smart guy. Jagger would talk a lot. I think I would take Kyrie Irving. Something's gonna over Rogers. One of them. Someone. I'm gonna need something physical at some point. You really thought this out, eh, Terry? Uh, I'm doing <laughs> it as we speak. <laughs> That's therapy. Um, okay, you got to pick one hockey player right now that plays in the NHL. And they've got to go to bat. Okay, they they got to play one major league baseball game, not any random. They got to try to get a hit. They got four or five at bats. Who do you bet on that's going to get a hit? Wow, I'm going to say Brad Marchand. Okay, and nobody nobody plays with such a purpose and a perseverance in that young man. Great answer. I was thinking more like who do I know that plays baseball? But you're right. Putting them all, yeah. assuming none of them did, he would be, because he would choke up a foot if he'd have to. He'd figure out, he'd That's spin right. at the pitcher. He'd do something to get on base. Okay. He was bad at the pitcher, yeah. There's all kinds of things he'd do. What's your favorite movie quote? Oh, quote, wow. Okay, so I just saw this movie the other day, Perks of a, wall, of a Wallflower. Uh, what was the guy's quote? The, the, the girl says to him, why do I fall in love with such uh, jerks? And he said, we choose the love we think we deserve. 
I just love that. I, that's it. that's just because it was a recent movie I saw, even though it's, it's been around for a long while. But boy, is that a, a nice quote. Yeah, I like it. A time machine. You can go anywhere, anytime. Forward or, or back. You can go anywhere. Back to the dinosaurs. You can go ahead and see if we're alive in a thousand years. Anywhere in between. Um, again, because I, it's something recent I just watched, that documentary series on the Beatles. I would have loved to be... I would have loved to have been down on the street that day they played on the roof. Wouldn't that I watched be something? that too. Yeah, that was because, something else. You know, you know, one of the many reasons why they broke up is, I think I saw a quote from Paul McCartney once. He said that it just got to be, you know, we were starting to develop as musicians. We were getting good, like Ringo was getting good on the drums. I was getting better at all my instruments. John was getting better on the guitar. So, and George Harrison was a good guitarist. But we couldn't hear each other play because it, we just would get to these concerts. It would just be screaming, screaming, screaming. Yeah. We just didn't feel like uh, you know we were improving or, or the music wasn't there because we couldn't hear ourselves. And uh, they could hear themselves on that roof. And boy, was the music ever good. I watched that as well, and I never really thought about it like that because I think their last one was at Shea Stadium, and it would have been a completely chaos. It would, it would have been just play your instruments and let's get out of here. But yeah, they were playing for people yeah. uh, other than the studio. I didn't think of it like that. I mean, it was because playing on the roof overtakes it all for me. But if you think about the context other than that, it would have been a, yeah. quite the scene. And there's a couple of glimpses. There's a couple of glimpses between them all on that roof. Like, hey, they're having fun again. You know, yeah, it's like right. they were back in Germany or something like that back in the day. That was my favorite part of Get Back, by the way. You could see them having there was tension but it, it, there was more freedom and it seemed like they're having a little bit more fun and you know people are going to argue it seemed to me more like a brotherly love in this go around than it did with the original let it be but i think a lot of people felt that way yeah uh, you got to give one of these things up meat sneakers or headphones what was the first one meat any just oh. like, like red oh, meat yeah uh boy. No, red fuck red meat. All meat. Red, meat chicken. Uh, yeah, so you gotta yeah. go vegetarian, sneakers or headphones. I'll give up sneakers. Is your ringtone a song or a sound? It, it, well, my alarm is a song. Uh soul train or soul soul train, soul sister. Okay. Right now I change it all the time. But my other thing is just a ringtone, like a ding emails and text messages that sort of thing what song would you sing on american idol oh boy probably a harry chapin song oh wow all my life's a circle because <laughs> the, the, I, I would be nervous about forgetting the lyrics so yeah that's, that's happened yeah that's happened yeah. to me get up there with a the band and think you know the song and then the lyrics i got up once i get up once in a while like locally right like the boys will let me up Got up to do Sultans of Swing. Again, I know the words, the Sultans of Swing, but the order I, it goes on and on. And I will never, ever disrespect that bond again. And if I ever get up, which I do once in a while, it's always the apartment song, Johnny Be Good, Rave On. Like, you can't fuck those up. Um, okay, so you're offered $77.4 million. Okay, but 
you've got to change your face to look like Mr. Bean, and you have to live in Newcastle, England. Do you do it? <laughs> oh, boy. That is a toughie. Um, yeah, why not? What the hell? At my age, <laughs> you know, as a guy who's looked like Brad Pitt all his life, well, I welcome the change. <laughs> uh, okay. You, you, you can live until you're 200 years old, but there's a catch. Every 10 years, you have to kill yourself by jumping off the CN Tower. Would you do it? Because <laughs> you're yeah, going to hype me in this world. You're going you're gonna to come alive, and it's going to be like, I told you so. You just gotta, it's a hard thing to go through, but you got to throw yourself up. I mean, I say yes until I get up there. It terrifies me. Every, uh, like heights terrify me. I get up there, and I can't move. To me, I would rather be buried alive than have to go through the torture. I can't believe that people actually kill themselves by jumping off high buildings. I can't believe that that's a thing, but anyway. Yeah. I couldn't do it either. And plus, I've already got some aches and pains at age 57. I can just imagine why it's gonna be like a 200. Yeah, I know. Can, can you imagine if, if that, that would, there's a movie out there somewhere like, cause Aladdin, that is a wish that many people would wish for, but can you imagine if the aches and pains didn't go away? Like oh if it God. would be like, imagine this now in a hundred years from now. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but of course it's all hypothetical. Um, the Rolling Stones have to change their band name. In this world, you have to pick a name. So history is going to be changed. You get taken in a room with Darth Vader. The dark side has taken over. Look, but we got to change one thing about history. The Rolling Stones aren't the Rolling Stones. They're going to start at the same place. They're a great band. What's their name? Boy. And you came up with all these questions by yourself? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sometimes there's a gummy or two involved. <laughs> well, I, okay. Uh, how about something like uh, the Moves Like Jagger band? No, that's, that's terrible. Cause I, you know, there's that song, right? Moves Like, is that, is that a... Uh, Maroon 5, right? Yeah, yeah. Adam Levine, whatever. Yeah, but or you know, I, I was thinking what's something they could that they could steal that was came later and would be a good <laughs> name for them. You know, like Nirvana, Nirvana or something like that, right? Oh, nice. Okay, beauty. Yeah. You know what? Go with it. Go with okay. that That's because yeah, yeah. If you're gonna change history, you're gonna really fuck with it. You're spinning the yeah. game back on Darth Vader. That fuck. There you yeah, go. You yeah. want it all fucked up? Now we don't have Nirvana either. Um, <laughs> who's your favorite cartoon animal? Got to be uh, uh, Wiley Coyote. So you've got three. There's a breakaway. So you've got a competition here. You need to go two for three. Your life is on the line. And you pick, they got to be three defensemen. In the net is Dominic Hasek in his prime. Oh my God. Pick three defensemen from any era ever. Could all be this year if you want to take penalty shots and you need two or three. Who is your confidence go with? Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Well, definitely one would be Bobby Orr. Okay. Um, I've always admired Scott Niedemeyer for his skating ability and his the, the calmness he always played the game with. So, yeah. 
I won't I won't pick Ray Bork because he he uh he flunked his test in ninety eight. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see if I can get one more a little bit more modern. Uh oh I know, Nick Lidstrom. I take him. Nice. I lovely. They what I loved watching him play. Yeah. Um DJ, in this world, you've become a DJ. You've got a, a late life surge, and you're going to all of a sudden, in the year 2032, you're going to burst onto the scene as a DJ. Are you Tim Buck Tim, DJ Donk, simply the brick, or porpoise? I'll go What's with the name? brick. What's your name? The brick. The brick. The brick. Okay. And here's the last it question. Out, it doesn't work out. Maybe I can get a, a deal with the brick furniture store and do some commercials for them or something. Nice. You're thinking, yeah, you're tying in everything commercial. You're tying in business opportunities, endorsements. I like it. Here's the last question for you. Okay. Your all time lineup. Now you got to play this game. It's six versus six, five players and a goalie, except. You can't pick or Lemieux, Gretzky, or Howe, or any Montreal Canadiens. Who do you pick as your three four forwards, two defensemen, and goalie? Okay. For, my, for a goaltender, I'm going to pick uh, an underrated goalie, but I'm familiar with him because he comes from a town just outside of Waterloo called Owen Sound which is a, the, the smallest junior hockey community, Major A, in Ontario. His name is Harry Lumley, and he had one of the great nicknames of all time, huh. Harry Applecheeks Lumley. <laughs> and the, the arena is, is, is still named after him up in Owen Sound. On defense. Okay. Or, and I can't take or any. No, you can't take or or any Canadians. Okay, so I'll take... Um, Mike Van Ryan, assistant coach at the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. Probably of all the guys I, I uh, interviewed and got to know, top five easy. Just such a thoughtful person. Hmm. Had a rough go with concussions, but set, had such a passion for the game. He stayed in it. Won a Stanley Cup with the Blues a few years ago. Uh, just a great man. Love uh, that pick. Okay. Uh, Chris Pronger. Nice. Uh, what a sense of humor, almost as good as yours. Nasty player. Uh, yeah. And a winner, and a winner. And, and again, somebody I covered right from back in 1992 when he started with the Peter Feats. Up front, okay. No Mario. Can I pick Sidney Crosby? You can. I just love the kid. He's uh, mm -hmm. and he, she's, His nickname should be the kid until the day he dies because uh, he's got that enthusiasm so many players uh are good players but crosby has always made players around him better and I, like how many people can you say played with uh, made pascal Dupuis and, and chris kunitz into frontline players now he's doing it again at his advanced age with uh getzel and um yeah uh, rust they getzel scored his 30th goal last night and russ has got over 20 so that's uh, incredible. 
You would have to be, uh, were you a left winger? I was left wing, yeah. Yeah, so you're you're my left winger because honestly, I've had so many good times with you and uh, I actually got to play with you. I think you were my defense partner in that tournament. Uh, the Arts, Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, we did. We knocked the puck around a little bit. Well, I, I just gave it to you and you went. <laughs> oh, that was a lot of fun. I love those things. And I, it, it marks the beginning the other of, the, of the spring. <clears throat> Are you playing again this year? No, no, no. But, but you know, it'll have to pick up next year. This everything that happened in the last couple yeah. of years. Right. And then finally, um, uh, just a guy who should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He'll he have to play his off wing here because he's a left winger too. Steve Larmer. No. Um, 91 Canada him. Cup. Speaking of the 91 Canada Cup, go ahead. He scored a big goal, shorthanded goal. To, he was the hero of that game. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a point-of-player point game in his NHL career. He probably would – I know Keith Yandel recently set the new Ironman record, but uh, Steve probably would have had it too uh, had he not had a contract to speak with Chicago. Uh, but such a dedica- de- decorated player, Calder uh, – Cup, not trophy, called a cup with uh, Moncton. Or no, yeah, New wow. Brunswick Blackhawks. Uh, Stanley Cup with the Rangers, Canada Cup. And he should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame because the guy was more than just a point. He was such a gritty, defensive, two-way player. Henley Killer, one of the best in the business. And if you, one of my think, favorite highlights, Terry, is if you ever look at that last few seconds of a face-off Messier one, in the Rangers win over the Canucks in the 94 Stanley Cup. Uh, Larmer has, has, has his man pinned in the corner uh, because he didn't want to take any chances. Meanwhile, all his teammates are already celebrating in front of uh, Richter, in front of the Rangers goal. It's just a, a, a typical uh, scene for Steve Larmer and, and his, his attention to detail and the way he played the game. That is a fantastic answer. I remember watching him chew gum. He used to play and he used to chew bubble gum. Remember that? He, um, he was one of the last guys to smoke and play the, in the game, too. Um, uh, just a quick story about him. You know, one of his good buddies was Steve Ludzik, yeah. uh, another character. They played together in Niagara Falls in junior, and then they were both drafted by Chicago. They both went to play in the AHL together, and uh, they were known as the guys who uh, maybe stayed out a little bit too late, despite, you know, they would never show it on the ice because their talent was so immense, but... Uh, they got to the HL after the Blackhawks training camp and they sort of had a pep talk like, you know, let's, let's be a little bit more serious about life. Uh, you know, let's, let's make sure we have a good development year down here and we're ready for training camp next year. So they even went as far as saying like, you know, we're going to organize our laundry, put our initials, you know, inside our underwear, that sort of thing. And they did the first load of laundry and then they realized they both had the same initials. <laughs> Oh boy, that's fantastic! <laughs> you yeah. you know you learn a lot when you're when you're right for this long, hey. Well, I, I love Steve Larmer. I could listen to him tell stories uh, all day long. His nickname is Grampy, and uh, it's good to see he's uh, now helping out uh, um, minor hockey back in his hometown of Peterborough, Ontario, because the game needs mentors like him. I hope one day I get to meet him. I've only heard good things from. Uh, from some legends of the game, like Corson and those guys, like they, they yeah. would. Every time I've heard anybody bring up Steve Larmer, it's nothing but positive vibes. It's just oh, yeah. I, I just haven't come across him, but at some point it will happen. Um, 
Tim, thanks a lot. I really appreciate this. I'm, I learned a lot today and uh, more than most guests, to be honest. Most times we're, we're taking a trip down memory lane, but uh, not only from the research you did for your book, but about you in general. It was, it was fun catching up. And the last few years have really put a damper in our relationship, basically. I mean, I'm never around, but I am going to be in yeah. Toronto soon. And I'm in, I'm in Sudbury for, you know, coming up whenever we do season two of Shorzy or whatever. But so I am around now, soon to be more than ever. So let's keep in contact. Maybe we'll even get for you sure. out for a little rec skate with us. Sounds good. Um, Sounds good. Good luck with the book. Uh, stay tuned and drop me a line soon. Okay, thanks so much. And please say hi to your dad for me. I will. See you, buddy. Thanks. Okay. Right, see ya. So there you have it, Timmy Warnsby. Congrats. Um, you know, I guess I could have kept going um, with Tim. He's, he's usually I get on these shows and it's a, it's it's a, or these uh, episodes and it's about a catching up with friends more than anything. So you often miss out on on maybe opinions and stories they might have about other people, right? Like when I talked to Zenith Komarniski last week, I mean, he used to be my roommate. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about his crazy first NHL goal from center ice on Patrick Waugh. But when you're a writer and you spend so much time observing and writing about opinions on other things and research, not all opinions, you know, you, you learn so much about the things that you're passionate about without directly being involved. And I find that really refreshing. So it's not so much, you know, someone asks me, I, I'm not an expert on the 2002 Olympic. I can give you my opinion, but it's always going to come back to, you know, what I was maybe doing at the time. And, oh, well, you know, that was great. Or, or the 98, you know my relationship with the 98 Olympics was that Shane Corson made it and he was on our team. And usually any stories I have go through me being there. But when you're just calling and, and getting to know the players from a completely different angle, and especially this many years later, looking back, you know, he, he reported on the tournament when it happened, but this book was done just a few years ago. So the whole approach is one of almost academia. You're, you're, you're almost, like I said, it's like a research paper. And though, while those might be uh, intense and, you know, they, might, they may be a bit stressful even to write, but you're learning so much in the process. And even there, the story of uh, the, the, in the brief little bit we talked about, I can't wait to get the book, by the way, this is gonna be rollicking. Um, just a little bit about Pat Quinn, right? And 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 those people in and around Pat Quinn and, and and Team Canada that had confidence and what leads these huge leaders to the decisions that they make, and then those decisions birthing other leaders is what winning and and, and legends and success is all about, and. You know, you just look back and, yeah, it was great that we won the Olympics, but there's so many storylines. And there always is on any, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be one written. There probably is one on the, on the 2010 uh, Crosby goal Olympics, whatever. You know, there's always storylines. 
Um, and uh, thank God for reporters and journalists and creative writers everywhere that get out and uh, and basically do the research so we can all reap the benefits. So thanks again, Tim Warnsby. Can't wait to see Timmy again. It's been a few years. This week, as far as album recommendations, um, I'd like to change it up a little bit. So let's go. What do we have last week? I believe it was the Sex Pistols, no? Um, so I'm going to go with Otis Redding. Otis Sings Soul is the name of the album. Um, Otis Blue, is it? I'm just looking it up now. Okay, Otis Blue. Otis Redding Sings Soul. Okay, I knew it was something like that. Look, if you want to talk soul albums, I'm not sure if you do. If you don't, you won't. I guess skip ahead. <laughs> but if you want to talk soul albums, I don't know much better than this one. So, And a few of them are covers, but if, I'm sure most of you have heard of Otis Redding sitting on the dock of the bay is probably his most famous. But this album is is great. It comes at you. It's got a few covers. I know a change is going to come. That was a Sam Cooke song. And I believe Respect is on it. Just one second now. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. But, um, I mean, if, if you haven't heard Otis Redding, I would almost say just go to his greatest hits. But since we're talking albums, here we are, Otis. Yes, Otis Blue. So, Respect is on there. Change is going to come. Shake, My Girl, Wonderful World. So a lot of these, I mean, it's Satisfaction, I didn't realize was on there. So a lot of them are covers, but to me, Otis Redding was more of a, you know, a soul singer. You know Otis Redding for his music and his voice than you do for his songwriting, at least I do. So... I don't know. It's worth checking out. I get some people asking me about if I'm into soul or if I'm into Motown or if I'm, you know, into the beginnings of R&B and hip hop. And I am. I think it's all connected. And soul is definitely connected to uh, hip hop. And I mean, R&B started it all off, really, if you think about it, if you talk rock and roll. So, I mean, there's all kinds of avenues and genres, but I think they all kind of intersect especially nowadays um but if if so you know to say soul what i think is 60s otis redding i think uh i don't know i think aretha franklin i think wilson pickett and i motown is its own thing although i love that as well uh anyway that's it otis redding check him out if you if you don't know him uh, if nothing else it's uh a great singer and uh, you know I love the music I just love the tunes uh, actually Otis Redding also had a great version of Hard to Handle which became a hit by the Black Crows I think John Lee Hooker wrote that maybe way back Anyway, and locally, I'm going to go with David Pico. The name of the album is Out of the Past. David's now down writing in Austin. 
Um, you know, great local singer songwriter probably doesn't get enough credit, but uh, makes a good living doing it. Is very respected by a lot of other singer songwriters out there. Yeah, it came out in 2019, and I bought the vinyl version and I loved it and it was on a recommendation from my friend Janet Call so I gave it a shot and I loved it my favorite song on the album is probably Waiting for a Miracle they're all great uh, check it out David Picco P-I-C-C-O the album is out of the past and you won't be let down it's not quite the you know it's more rock and roll rock slash country than it is the Newfoundland uh, traditional music but uh I'm sure some of you will really like it. What else? Green sleeves, downtown, uptown, check it out. Uh, everything's back rolling now again. TJ's Pub, check that place out. We've been, uh, when I say we, I don't work there anymore, but I used to and I can still still consider it family. They got some great renovations done. Check the place out. It's going to be, uh, the deck will be opening up soon enough. Which is my favorite deck on George Street? Uh, Trinity. And the Bull and Barrel, two awesome spots, kind of bookends on, on George Street that are two of my favorite places to go check those uh, places out. Penny Posh, Women's Wear Reimagined. Awesome hoodies, coveralls now. So Danielle has uh, spread her wings a little bit, and she's added coveralls officially to the Penny, Penny Posh merchandise. Check it out online if you're interested at all. Shoot me a note. Maybe you've got a group that uh, you're interested in the coveralls, maybe. Uh, the hoodies are awesome either way, and she's got some nice jackets there. So the inventory is slowly but surely improving, expanding. And uh, good luck to Danielle, my ex-wife, that uh, is bound to me by our daughter, Penny Lane. And uh, we're still very much a part of each other's lives well whether we like it or not but I, I kid i kid we like it we support each other and we speak every day just weren't meant to be a couple i guess on that note thank you once again for listening i will be back next week with more tales with tr uh we got to get rashad on here eventually we we're just uh, playing phone tag right now but next week it looks like the rear admiral from spitting chicklets so we're looking forward to that I just got to nail down a date. I've often been wrong, but I'm pretty sure next week we'll have Ari here with us to chat Chicklets, Shorzy, Chicklets Cup, Boston, and more. Until then, I'm Terry Ryan. This has been Tales with TR, episode 95. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.